0: Hi, everyone. This is your host, Greg Myers, and this episode is part of our special series focused on diversity and inclusion. In this series, I'll be talking with leaders in the payments industry and maybe some experts from outside of the industry about diversity and inclusion. It has been proven that a diverse workforce and diverse management team leads to increased creativity, better decision making, reduced employee turnover, and increased profit, as well as many other benefits I'm sure we will be talking about. This special series is brought to you by WNET and Paysafe. WNET, or Women's Network and Electronic Transactions, is celebrating 15 years of helping women achieve greater personal success, influence, and professional parity in the payments industry. WNET is a not-for-profit organization with a mission of creating a stronger and more diverse industry by empowering and investing in women. Learn how at wnetonline.org. Paysafe is a leading global specialized payment provider. They've been driving innovation in and around payments for over 20 years all over the globe for both businesses and consumers. PaySafe believes diversity and inclusion is not just a checkbox, but rather a journey in which they are fully committed to being on around the world. Learn more at paysafe.com. I'm honored to be joined on this, the ninth episode of our special series on DI, by Tracy McCant Trentel. Tracy is the Vice President of Business Integration for PaySafe. She joined their leadership team last year and is responsible for oversight of a portfolio of strategic initiatives designed to deliver an outstanding and differentiated customer experience that will ultimately drive business growth. Before joining PaySafe, Tracy established herself as an accomplished leader in service delivery and process reengineering always targeting heightened customer satisfaction. She previously worked for WorldPay, where she was responsible for managing various complex business transformation projects that incorporated work process redesign and the implementation of new cost-effective technologies. Before WorldPay, she gained wide-ranging experience working for high-profile companies such as Dow Chemical, Newell, Rubbermaid, and the Coca-Cola Company. Tracy holds a B.S.E. in Chemical Engineering from Tulane University and is both a certified Six Sigma Black Belt and PMP. She currently resides in her hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to this special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast about diversity and inclusion. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Excited to be here. Thank you for the invite.
0: Absolutely. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, maybe where you currently live, a few things like that.
1: I am born, raised, and currently residing in Atlanta, Georgia. I left and went to college in New Orleans and studied chemical engineering at Tulane University, then took some work assignments in Houston, moving back to Atlanta about Almost 20 years ago now, as the parents started getting older, I've worked in consumer goods and financial services, worked for a real estate company for a while, obviously started in petrochemical and now make my career in financial technology sectors.
0: Yeah, it's always fascinating to hear people who have backgrounds outside of payments. So having someone coming from chemical engineering to payments is kind of cool. Well, can you tell our audience a little bit about Paysafe and your specific role there?
1: Paysafe is a global payments processing company. We're based in 12 countries with over 3,000 employees and provide payment services in a number of different ways, whether that's an online payment, in-store, Through a gateway, e cash, a digital wallet. We provide solutions in all of those areas. Honestly, I have to say, I came into payments processing about five years ago. When I came into WorldPay, I never would have thought, honestly, as many things happen to get a payment right. I thought naively, I just put my card in and the money came out of my account and it paid Amazon or an online merchant. It is an amazingly fascinating industry with a lot of complexity around the ways you can pay. And as we move forward, my nephew, who is 16, pays very differently than I do. He pays with his Apple Watch. If he can't pay with his watch, he doesn't want to do it. I've literally never made a payment with my watch. But anyway, it's a very fascinating industry. What I do there is I am over something called business integration, which is transformation programs. I work with two of our four global business units, and I oversee strategic initiatives designed to drive growth and efficiency. So there's a specific portfolio of projects that our global CEO and the CEOs of those business set out and say, hey. We'd like to go execute these. And then I have oversight over making sure they happen and that the results are delivered.
0: Obviously, this series is about diversity and inclusion. And February is obviously a special month being Black History Month. What is Paysafe doing to celebrate this
1: month? Greg, the great thing about Paysafe and being in a global company is we actually get to celebrate Black History Month twice. Black History Month in the UK is celebrated in October. So last fall, we had a full slate of activities with our partners in our European offices. And we're now in the midst of executing the same programs for our North American audience here in the month of February. We started out the month with a podcast with some of our senior leadership speaking to the employee base on diversity, its role in the workplace, why it matters to them personally for this second week. We are moving into executive breakout sessions where several of our senior leaders have agreed to do basically breakout sessions just to meet the employee base. We had 259 people participate to the point actually that we broke teams briefly and couldn't get everybody into the breakout (laughs) we would have liked to. So that signaled great interest in the activity and we'll obviously be doing more of that. We're following that up in the third week where I will be interviewing our global CEO, Philip McHugh, our U.S. CEO of U.S. Acquiring, Afshin Yazdain. And then we have external leaders from other technology companies. We have Ken Freeman, who's a managing director for Gardner, and we have Dawana Franklin Davis coming in. She's CEO of an organization called Reboot Representation, which works with technology companies to drive higher participation of women of color in computing fields. We're going to follow that up in the last week with a game night where we're going to do some Black history trivia, offer prizes, just kind of have a more relaxed environment. Hopefully we will continue those activities through the rest of the year.
0: Okay. Why do you think it's so important that companies and society as a whole celebrate Black History Month?
1: Black History Month is a specific opportunity. I honestly liken it to Mother's Day. You hopefully celebrate all the wonderful qualities that mothers possess year-round, but then we set aside a specific day to just give a little extra love and a little extra attention to our mothers. I kind of see Black History Month the same way. It's exciting to be at a point, I feel like, in the U.S. now where people are very open and receptive to understanding differences. So now as we come into Black History Month and we look at that celebration, I think there's a slightly different approach to it. And I think that's great. I think that companies and society are made up of the people in the country. So it's important that you be able to live and accept the differences of people and be interested in understanding the differences of people inside and outside of work. It's important as a person of color that when I come to work, I want to be in an environment and in a company that I believe respects my diversity and the differences of people. And when companies actively put resource not just time, but funds behind celebrating whether it's Black History Month or Women's History Month or Asian American History Month, that signals that they're interested in support you as a person. And I think that's pretty amazing.
0: I love the Mother's Day analogy. I haven't really thought of it that way. But given all the good and bad that's gone on in society, say, over the last 12 months, would you say that celebrating Black History Month this year may be more important than ever?
1: Honestly, I would say the opposite. Here's my view. Black history is American history. And in the last 12 months, we've seen a series of events in our country that frankly weren't unique to the last 12 months, sadly. But I think the receptiveness of the general population to say, wow, I'm not comfortable with that or I'd like to learn more about that has been different. So I think that Black History Month is great. And I think, again, it's that concentrated time to highlight the achievements of African-Americans. But what I'm more excited about over the last 12 months are some of the broader dialogues that have taken place around recognizing bias and recognizing privilege and some of the concerns that have been expressed by people of color for a long time You now have other populations or other demographics going, hey, I'd really like to understand more about that. Black History Month is a great opportunity to highlight the achievements of Black people. And it's an opportunity to learn and thank people for the inventions that they've made. Like the traffic light was invented by Garrett Morgan. I don't know if people know that. Or the clothes dryer by George Sampson in America, that's very important. We like our clothes dryers, you know, the gas furnace this time of year, we can thank Alice Parker. It's an opportunity to highlight those types of things, but I'm just really more excited, quite frankly, about the general conversations that are going on in society, in workplaces, in churches, in families, about how we respect differences how we're treated differently potentially, how we contribute to those scenarios and how we can work better together as a society.
0: It's interesting that you kind of say it that way because that's really what led to me starting this special series. I mean, obviously, the name of my overall podcast is Leaders in Payments, but I felt that as an industry, we needed to be talking about this subject and I didn't feel like there maybe were a lot of forums to do it. So that kind of led me down this path of really talking about diversity and inclusion. So I think you're right in kind of the perspective of, of the conversation and the awareness over the last 12 months has no doubt
1: been elevated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we all benefit from that. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, just these podcasts and the amount of feedback that I've gotten from simple 30 minute hour long conversations and putting out two a month has just been fascinating to hear the input that I've gotten. Okay, well, let's turn to diversity and inclusion now. How would you define diversity and inclusion, say at the 50,000 foot level? What does it mean to you?
1: Diversity to me means all of the unique traits that make me me that may possibly be common to someone else, but they also may possibly be unique. And then the inclusion piece is the attitude and the acceptance and the curiosity about embracing that, right? So I won't say I'm a phenomenal cook, but I will say I do cook. And I have a lot of spices in my cabinet. I don't cook with just one spice. If you are a person who likes food like I like food, typically you might experiment with curries or if you like Mexican food, there's peppers you can try. It's the combination of the different spices that brings out the flavor of a meal, right? I feel like diversity is the same way. I feel like successful organizations, and I'm not just talking about professional companies, have to recognize and respect diversity as a very broad topic. It's not just ethnicity or nationality or gender orientation. It's things like how are baby boomers and Gen Zers interacting? I am born and raised in the South. There are some people in the North who think Southerners are slow and we talk slow and we learn slow and there's that kind of stuff. There are, even if you talk to two Black people, depending on our background, socioeconomic upbringing, part of the country, et cetera, all of those are aspects of diversity that we have to embrace. Obviously, we live in a time where political views are figuring very prominently into how we feel about things. I think about things differently as a science major than one of my friends who studied liberal arts. You know, I tend to be a little more linear. All of that has value. And so as we start to engage with people who don't think like us, or don't look like us, or didn't come from where we're, from, you really start to learn things. The inclusion piece, like I said, is then are you willing to investigate, invest in, engage people who are different from you? If you have a very myopic, narrow view, even I as a Southern-raised African-American woman from a middle-class upbringing who went to school at a private white institution and studied a science major and is really an introvert, even though she tends to talk a little bit. I love engaging people who have a completely opposite kind of profile. You learn things. It's interesting.
0: Yeah, I love the definitions and the analogies. What specifically is Paysafe doing around this topic of diversity and inclusion?
1: Paysafe is awesome. So we have recently probably most significantly transitioned from we did have local DNI chapters where everyone kind of came together. We've now launched within the last year our employee resource groups. And so now there's a specific Black at Paysafe or Families at Paysafe or LBGTQ at Paysafe or Women at Paysafe, Families at Paysafe, that employees can join to give a more focused voice. To their concerns or opportunities or things they'd like to see. I'm a member of several of those networks. We have very strong pushes from leadership to I don't have children per se, but I'm interested in the families at PaySafe Network because I have staffs that have families. I want to understand what their unique concerns are. So that is probably the biggest one. We're making some changes in terms of how we form slates for roles, to try to bring a little more diversity into the conversation. There's a lot going on. And
0: how or why did the topic of diversity and inclusion become so important to you?
1: So I was raised in a, I can't even honestly call it predominantly black. I went to a high school with 1600 students and only three of them were not black. Middle class, upper middle class, science and mathematics academy, But my neighborhood, Southwest Atlanta, was just not a diverse neighborhood. That was good in certain ways, right? I think it built a confidence in us and we kind of grew up in this nice little insular world, but there weren't a lot of people who were different. And then I went to college, went to Tulane University and met people from all over the world. And it was eye-opening, quite frankly, much later than, for example, my nephew who lives in a much more diverse neighborhood. But it was really exciting to meet people from South Africa or be challenged by people who thought differently. There was a gentleman, Casey, that I recall, who I met my freshman year of engineering. Casey was from Arkansas. Casey had a rebel flag on his car. (laughs) Casey had never met someone like me and I had never met someone like Casey. Casey and I got assigned together in one of our chemistry teams and we became great friends. And it turned into a conversation. It's, hey, Casey, the whole rebel flag thing. um, We're not particularly excited about that. And he literally, I at 18 and he at 18, so I don't want to make it seem like he was the ignorant one. Each of us had never had a conversation with the other about a symbol that meant something completely different to the other, but we could have that conversation and we were great friends. And I'm not saying that he took it down, but we could get an understanding. So through that college experience, then moving into the professional workplace, I was the first black staff person in the chemical plant I worked in. I had to manage a bunch of people who didn't look like me, who didn't share my experiences, and were looking at me like, oh, interesting. And so I just learned over time that, hey, everyone has a voice. Everyone has a voice, everyone has a goal. Stop, listen, and just see what their position is. It may not be the same as yours, but if you understand what's motivating them, if you understand why they're potentially disagreeing with you, if you understand, for example, I'll bring in a more recent example, of why a Gen Z employee doesn't think they should have to be online the same hours you think you have to be online because you have a baby boomer Gen X influenced view of work and they have a younger Gen Z view of work. You have to stop and embrace those things. Otherwise, you can't be successful. So that's how it became so important to me because I've realized in order to be successful, you have to be able to listen and you have to be able to see things through another person's perspective and that it just might come from a different space. But if you don't try to understand it, you will always fail. You will always fail. Just going back to the example of my nephew, if you don't embrace diversity, then you miss opportunities. You will have public missteps that maybe you wouldn't have. When I see, for example, a fashion brand put out a dress with a noose on it, I immediately assume they don't have the most diverse marketing team. <laughs> Maybe if they had a little more diverse marketing team, they would not have made that choice because they would have had a voice saying, eh, that's not going to be interpreted the same way you intended." In the same way, Casey never intended anything against me by showing heritage with the flag kind of thing. So that to me, just I've learned time and time again in organizations, you want to hear different voices, you want to hear different perspectives. Those perspectives come in different packages. Just embrace it. It just makes for a better team.
0: I love that. And you've talked a lot about what PaySafe specifically is doing, and then obviously how you got so involved and why it's so important to you. But what do you think we, and I'm going to use we in a couple of different ways we as an industry, we as employees, we as people, what can we be doing differently or better?
1: I think that one thing that most of us could do better, and it's something that I'm sometimes guilty of too, is looking outside of our circle and our comfort zone. So let's look at hiring. One thing I've typically seen people give referrals for jobs and they give referrals to great people, but it's typically people from within your network, right? If you don't have the most diverse network, then you tend to refer people who look like you. I think there's an opportunity to look further for qualified candidates. I think there's an opportunity, like I said, I went to an entire science and mathematics high school. I studied chemical engineering. I'm not an anomaly. There are many technologists of color out there, but for some reason, companies aren't necessarily connecting with them when it comes to the hiring process or people in roles in the company are being overlooked in certain instances. And I'm saying I've worked across a lot of companies because they don't necessarily have the connection to the hiring manager. So I think that we can be a little more purposeful in terms of looking for diverse candidates. And I think if you do that, you'll find some really amazing people that would not normally have been on your radar.
0: I would agree with that for sure. So you obviously have a lot of passion for this topic. If you were talking to an employee that has that same passion and they're walking into a company that maybe isn't as advanced in some of their DNI or DENI kind of initiatives, what would your advice be to them to go into that company and to make a difference? What would you tell them to do?
1: There is never a surplus of people who want to get involved and lead these types of initiatives. Make yourself known. One of the things about me is, as you can tell, you know, I did mention I'm an introvert, which is very true, but I'm also very vocal. And sometimes that's worked well and sometimes that hasn't. But at the end of the day, I would say being in an environment that supports diversity and is really aggressively trying To be the best organization it can be matters. So if you don't have employee resource groups in your organization, make that suggestion to your leadership or to HR to start one. They've become very commonplace. I've been in companies where they didn't exist. I actually made that suggestion at one of my previous companies and somehow inadvertently ended up the chair. But make the suggestion. What I found, quite honestly, is people want to do the right thing. They don't always know how. They don't always have the capacity. But speak up and make the suggestion. And nine times out of 10, most business leaders I've talked to understand why diversity matters and will support those initiatives. All it takes is that one person to step up and say, "Okay, I will take the charge. I will lead. And quite frankly, if you find yourself in an environment that is not friendly to that, there are many other environments out there that you might be a little happier in. I would tend to say that a company who has a very closed minded approach to diversity is not a company where you're going to grow and thrive anyway. So, finding an environment that suits you and suits your goals and suits that inclusive attitude in terms of wanting its employee base to be the best it can be through all those different lenses I mentioned really, really matters.
0: Well, let's talk about representation. How important do you think that topic is? I guess not just in the U.S., globally. Can you speak to that topic?
1: I think representation is incredibly important (laughs) because. Seeing someone in a position that looks like you signals that that is now becomes attainable. If I think about my nephew, who is 16, he believes that a black man can be president because in his lifetime, there was Barack Obama. More recently, obviously, within the last month, we've had Kamala Harris installed as vice president of the United States. There are little kids now in a way that I didn't have when I was growing up who now see, oh, they won't think it a huge deal I can be president or I can be vice president. I've been very fortunate in my time in payments processing. When I was at Worldpay, Kim Goodman was our CEO, black female. That was an amazing accomplishment, not only for her, But it signaled to employees in the company that they were in a company where the highest heights of the C-suite were possible. I get to work every day with Paulette Rowe, who's CEO of our integrated e-commerce solutions division. Amazingly accomplished, black female, and she's at that C-suite level. So that signals to employees throughout the organization, hey, maybe I one day can be a CEO also if you look at our senior leadership team, frankly, it's very diverse in terms of female representation, many different countries represented. We have people living all over the world. It's very, very important that you see people that look like you because that signals to everyone that there's a commitment there. I worked at a previous company where diversity, I think we talked about all the different facets. It wasn't uncommon to see Sikh Muslims and interabled people and all these nationalities represented veterans, etc. It's very important when you look at a picture that you see some diversity even though that's not the whole story. To me it signals if a company is willing to embrace the big diversity categories, the gender, the ethnicity, the orientation, then they're probably going to embrace those other rich things we talked about. And it's probably a very inclusive environment. So definitely great opportunities with the companies I've been with.
0: I think that's a great way to wrap things up. And Tracy, we've covered a lot of ground on Black History Month and diversity and inclusion. So I just wanted to thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate all of your insights. Obviously, this is an important topic for our industry. So I thank you for your time and just for being on the show today. Thank you so much.
1: I really appreciate your time and the invitation. Thank you so much.
0: That was Tracy Trentel from Paysafe in the ninth episode of our special series on diversity and inclusion. The next episode will be available later in March. Without the support of our sponsors, WNET and Paysafe, we wouldn't be able to bring you this special series. Join WNET on March 18th to transform your missteps into positive potential. Accomplished product manager and product innovation leader Ananye Bhattacharya of MasterCard will present specific practical frameworks about failing forward in a way that fosters growth and innovation. Don't miss our next webinar, Flip Failure, How Learning from Your Mistakes Makes You More Successful. Go to wnetonline.org and select the events calendar to register today, free for WNET members. And Paysafe invites you to learn more about Paysafe, their offerings, international culture, and unique team by visiting Paysafe.com. Learn more about the entire diversity and inclusion series at our website, leadersinpayments.com.